Welcome to the Plant Power Pantry Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Dobrowanski, an educator, author, and self-trained chef. Whether you're vegan, vegan curious, or simply want to kickstart your health, this is the podcast for you. I believe that small changes in our food choices can make big differences in our health and wellness. So join me each week as we investigate one food item to expand your pantry one step at a time. Together, we'll build a healthy foundation by investigating the history, the health benefits, and I'll provide some tips on storage along with a delicious recipe for you to try. I'm so happy you're joining me in my kitchen to explore all the wonderful food the world has to offer. All right, let's put on our aprons and join me as we open the doors to the plant-powered pantry. The information on this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. If you require a medical diagnosis or prescription, or if you are contemplating any major dietary change, please consult a qualified healthcare provider. You should always seek an expert medical opinion prior to making changes in your diet, supplement regimen, or lifestyle. Welcome back, pantry people. I am so excited to have you with me this week as we continue season two, focusing on all about recovery. So whether you are just starting to move your body or whether you're starting a new workout plan or if you're like me and upping your mileage because you want to train for either a a one-mile race, a 5K, or possibly even join me on a half marathon, or you're going for the big guy, the marathon, recovery foods are so important because they will help your body not only recover faster, but recover stronger. So all that being said, today we are going bananas. dive into a little bit of the history of bananas, which I have to tell you, I learned a lot doing the research for this episode that I had no idea about before. So according to the Book of Agriculture, the earliest domestication of bananas was in New Guinea and dated back as far as 6500 B.C., Traders and travelers brought bananas from the region that includes the Malaysia Peninsula, Indonesia, the Philips, and New Guinea to India, Africa, and Polynesia. So there were references to bananas dating back to 600 BC in Buddhist scripture, specifically noting that Indian traders traveled, tasted the fruit, and brought some plants back with them. Then, in 327 BC, Alexander the Great discovered banana crops in the Indian valleys when his armies invaded India. He loved the fruit so much that he brought it back to the Western world. In 200 BC, bananas then spread to China. 
And according to a Chinese historian, bananas only grew in the southern region of China and were never a popular fruit until the 20th century. I find that fascinating. Now, the bananas we know today began to be developed in Africa around 650-ish A.D., and there was a crossbreeding of two varieties of bananas. So the ancient and then maybe a little bit more of a modern one. And they actually became seedless and more like the ones we eat today. So this has got me thinking, first of all, how would I feel if I had like big seeds in my bananas It would be really weird because that's not the banana I know. It's more of a little bit similar to a plantain type of variety, but it's it's so interesting and fascinating. If you have some time, just (laughs) Google ancient bananas and you will see that they must have been very difficult to eat. And I understand why they took some time for them to gain in popularity. So it is believed that traders from Arabia, Persia, India, and Indonesia brought bananas and plants back with them around the Indian coast um, areas. And around the same time, I think it's about the 15th century, Portuguese traders brought them to the Canary Islands. However, between the 16th and 19th century, Plants and the suckers were traded in the Americas and Latin Americas. Began to be domesticated and into the bananas that we know today. All right, let's get into some of the amazing health benefits about bananas. Bananas are packed with healthy benefits. First and foremost, bananas are known for their potassium. They are high in potassium. And potassium is one of the most important minerals in your body. It helps regulate fluid balance, muscle contraction, nerve signals, excuse me, nerve signals. And what's more, A high potassium diet may also help reduce blood pressure and water retention against stroke and possibly even prevent osteoporosis and kidney stones. This is probably one of the main reasons you find potassium prescribed to people with blood pressure. And it's it's also the reason why It is a recommendation from the American Heart Association to help manage your blood pressure. Bananas also contain folate and antioxidants, both of which support heart health. In addition to the cardiovascular effects, potassium helps muscle contraction and nerve cells to respond. So this is one of the reasons why If you've ever participated in any type of recreational activity, 
whether it is a 5K, a marathon, a triathlon, et cetera, what a, even a one-mile run, a fun run, you will always see bananas as an option for a post-race snack. I personally eat a banana every morning before working out. It is a habit I started years ago after my first race and talking to the talking to a nutritionist about the benefits of bananas. All right. I know you're waiting for it and here it is. Bananas also contain fiber. So, if you have uh, sorry about that. <laughs> I know I have a horrible voice, but I had to do that. So if you've ever listened to me before, you know how I feel about fiber. But for all of my new listeners, fiber is our friend. Fiber plays a major role in digestion, both soluble and insoluble. They play an important role in healthy gut and optimal functioning digestion. Yes, I just said they help keep you regular. (laughs) It also helps you feel fuller longer because it slows down and optimizes digestion. Now, fun fact, according to the United States National Institute of Health, only 5% of people in the U.S. meet the Institute of Medicine's daily recommended target of 25 grams of fiber for women and 38 grams for men. That amounts to a population-wide deficiency. And it's what some nutritionists refer to as the fiber gap. I can attest there is no fiber gap happening on this side of the microphone. So just for informational purposes... One medium-sized banana contains 3.1 grams of fiber and 422 milligrams of potassium. Okay, I am going to step off my fiber is our friend soapbox and let's talk about some tips for storing these bananas. The beautiful thing about bananas is that they are available year-round and make an ideal snack, post-workout snack, pre-workout snack, dessert, breakfast, etc. The list goes on and on. So, a couple things. Bananas will ripen if they quicker if they are too warm. So the Ideal temperature for bananas is about 12 degrees Celsius or 54 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't keep my house that cool. But you can store them in the fridge. I've never personally done that myself, but just know that the cold temperature of your fridge will actually halt the ripening process and it may turn the skin brown but the bananas are still good to eat. So bananas should also be stored away from other fruit. Guilty. I can't tell you how many times I've tossed them on top of the bowl of oranges sitting on my kitchen table, but (laughs) 
bananas. <laughs> and part of that is because the gases emitted from the other fruit will quicken the ripening process. And it took me some time, first of all, to believe that. But then second of all, to then say, okay, I need to do something different. So I store my bananas on what's called a banana tree, which is basically just a stand with a hook on it. (laughs) And I just hang my bananas um, on my counter in an area that doesn't get direct sunlight. So it kind of stays more of a consistent temperature. And that's really helped immensely elongate the life and, you know, help me also reminder because they're up in the air and hanging there as a reminder to eat them regularly. However, bananas can also be frozen. I prefer very ripe bananas to freeze because they are so much sweeter than ones that don't have any brown on them. So I will take that like last one or two bananas that are hanging on my tree that may not look so hot and are getting kind of mushy and take those and freeze those. I think I actually have, I was in my freezer last night making my, getting my smoothie stuff ready. And I think I have two and a half, you know, like bags full of frozen bananas. (laughs) So I got to start using those up. But here's a pro tip. Oh, please, always peel your bananas before freezing them because once frozen, it will be very difficult, if not also dangerous if you decide to use a knife, to try to get the peel off. Typically, I will peel a couple, place them in a freezer bag, mark the date, and lay it flat in my freezer And the frozen bananas are perfect to toss into a smoothie or to make today's recipe of nice cream. However, ripe, mushy bananas are also perfect as an egg substitute for baking. And I've, over the years, I've always kind of leaned towards unsweetened applesauce as my replacer or a flax egg as my replacer, but a lot more lately, and it could be because I have so many in my freezer, that I will use defrosted ripe bananas um, as my egg replacer, and it works wonders. And it has been a great addition to my baking toolkit. But for the most part, for me, I usually almost always use them to enhance my smoothie. It adds extra potassium. It adds extra some fiber. It adds some extra bulk. It's, you know, the froze, another frozen element that's in my smoothie. Or as we're going to talk about next, make today's recipe of nice cream. What is nice cream? Nice cream is a sugar-free, dairy-free dessert that's really just made from blending pieces of frozen fruit in a food processor or high-speed blender. This whole food vegan ice cream is rich, creamy, and luscious enough to serve on any special occasion, yet light enough and easy enough 
for an anytime indulgence. But don't take my word for it. Try it yourself, and here's everything you're going to need to know about making nice cream in your own kitchen. So first, we have to start with frozen bananas. So you're going to freeze whole peeled ripe bananas until firm. And then, and like I said before, the riper the bananas, the sweeter it's going to be. I would say about three medium to large bananas. And when they're frozen solid, you're going to take them out. You're going to break them by hand into about one to one and a half inch chunks. So it's going to be approximately about three cups of frozen banana pieces. And really all you're going to do is put that in your fruit processor or high-speed blender and give it a whirl. And what you want to do is blend it until it's smooth. And if you need to, you may have to add about a quarter of a cup of unsweetened plant-based milk. Um... If necessary, it really depends upon the, the the ripeness of the bananas, how frozen they are, and the power of your food processor or, or blender. I typically don't have to add this because I personally use a Vitamix, but every now and then, if I if I pop my bananas in the freezer a little bit too soon before they're like overripe, I will have to add a little bit of the unsweetened plant-based milk. And then... Okay, if you want like a creamy, like soft serve type of texture, you're going to want to serve this immediately. However, you can place it in the freezer for one to two hours for a firmer consistency. If you want more of like a sorbet type of consistency, put it in the freezer. After the first hour, go in and just kind of give it a little bit of a stir. And it might take a little bit of work to do that, but give it a nice little stir and then put it back in the freezer and you'll really, for about another hour, and you'll get a really nice consistency. You can leave it in the freezer if you want something more like a scoopable hard serve. And just know that you may, just like other non-dairy ice cream, you may have to take it out for a couple minutes before it's scoopable. Um, And so a little bit of room temperature defrosting uh, may definitely help you. One of the things I love to do with my banana nice cream is to, as like right after I make it, if I'm going to eat it right then as soft serve, I'll sprinkle on a couple of um, non-dairy, semi-sweet chocolate chips um, and stir those in. Or even if I have them, I will pop on some fresh blueberries, top it with some fresh blueberries. That banana-blueberry combination is one of my favorites. All right, plant-powered pantry people, it's time for our transition tip of the week. This week's transition tip of the week. As you begin to transition to a plant-based way of eating, you're going to spend a lot more time than you normally would 
food shopping, grocery shopping in the beginning. And part of this is because you want to take time to read the labels. You would be amazed at how many products contain animal gelatin, milk powder, or even casein. Now, there are apps that you can download and scan the barcode of a product, and it will give you a rating of how vegan the product is and any possible ingredients across contamination. The one that I've used the longest is called Is It Vegan? And the beautiful thing about this is it's free and it's constantly being updated with products. And it was very helpful if I was thinking about buying a new product and unsure of one or more of the ingredients, I would scan the barcode and it would give me on a scale, a rating scale of how vegan it was. And like I said, any possible cross-contamination, and that's a personal decision for you if you want to not eat products that are produced in um, uh, facilities that may have cross-contamination. I mean, especially if you have an allergy, this is super important to know. Um, But it just, it really helps me, but it does take more time. So like I have to look at a product, I look at the ingredient list, and I look and if I'm unsure of something, I will still, 22 years later, pull my phone out of my pocket and scan the barcode just to see, especially since milk product, milk product is hidden. Milk powder, excuse me, milk powder is hidden in so many things you would not even know. And in the next couple episodes, we're going to talk about um, the difference between plant-based and vegan on a label, because that's super important to know, especially right now with some of the big manufacturers coming out with things that are labeled plant-powered or plant-based that aren't vegan. But that's a that's a whole nother conversation for another day, another episode. Um, but really, just give yourself some time and know that it's going to take some time. And there's weeks even still where my grocery shopping takes me longer. And it's not because the store is crowded, but it's because I'm reading labels and I'm being attentive. And I want to make sure that what I'm eating is. So it's just making sure that what you're putting in your body is what you want to be putting in your body. And it's very helpful for me, especially if I'm thinking about buying a new product or unsure of other ingredients. I can just easily read the label and then also check on this app. So my tip to you this week is be patient. And if you are going to the food or grocery store, definitely give yourself a little extra time. Thank you so much for joining me in my kitchen today. I enjoyed our time together. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Plant Powered Pantry Podcast. Also, if you have a minute, do me a favor, rate and review the show. It really means a lot to me. Also, to stay up with all things plant-powered and to get today's recipe, please visit 
plantpoweredpantry.com. All right, my friends, until next week, keep on cooking.